We find at times I change the order of service, and one of those times is today. Usually speak towards the end, but speaking at the beginning. And it ties in with the song that we sang, Faith of Our Fathers. Be looking at a portion of Scripture in Habakkuk chapter 3, again, ties in with those who have lived before us. And then as we pray and give and sing in the balance of our service, We'll come back again and again to history and those that have gone before us. And as we think about the scripture we'll discuss this morning, a couple of questions, thought questions, not necessarily looking for a response, but for you to think about. Why may some people grow while others stagnate? Why may some people grow, mature, while others would stagnate? They just seem to be like that pond with all kinds of green algae and so on on it. You know, it's not very nice. What happens to people in light, who live in light of the present only? What happens to people who live in light of the present only? Is history important? Why? Why not? Is history important? Why? Why not? I think the answers are found in an overview of Habakkuk chapter 3. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk 3 as we read together the entire chapter. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Unching Ionoth, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heaven, or Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled, filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth, he looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled, and the age old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of cushion in distress. The dwellings of media in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered the bow. You called for the many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and wreathed. Torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted up its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens as the glint of your flying arrows. At the lightning of your flashing spiro, in wrath you strove through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. 
You stripped him from head to foot. Selah. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I wait or will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet run or like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. The third chapter of Habakkuk is a prayer. It's one of the great prayers of the Bible to be placed alongside Abraham's prayer of intercession for Sodom, David's prayer at the dedication of the materials for the temple, and the Psalms. But it is a prayer in context and cannot be properly understood apart from the entire prophecy. Habakkuk began his book by asking God, why? God, why are you so slow in answering my prayer concerning revival in Judah? Then when God does answer, he said he was going to send the Babylonians to punish the nation of Israel. This was not the answer expected by Habakkuk. So he says, how could God use a wicked people to punish those more righteous than themselves? These questions were asked in chapter 1. God answers in chapter 2. Summarizing in verse 4 of chapter 2. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. In the remainder of chapter 2, God describes how he who is puffed up will be brought low. The Babylonians themselves will be punished. In the meantime, the one who knows God will live by faith. Times may be bad. The future may be worse. But the righteous will live by faith in him who alone is worthy of that faith. Chapter 2, which contains the revelation by saying the Lord is in his, or concludes by saying the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. It is an appropriate and solemn ending. All that remains for Habakkuk is to worship God and lay his petitions before him. And Habakkuk knows it's bad, but it's going to get worse, much worse. 
But yet he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. As we think about Habakkuk, please understand that the events in this book are not taking place in, in an instant time frame. We live in the instant. We watch TV and it changes second by second. Habakkuk has been thinking for an extended period of time. He was willing to listen. Apparently, his thinking and interaction with the Lord took place over a period of months, maybe even years as you read the flow of the context. But the Lord speaks to those who come to him by faith. In his timetable, not their instant timetable. Sometimes we approach God like this. Lord, I have five minutes. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want an answer. Hurry. Have you ever stopped to consider that any question which has much depth cannot be answered in a few minutes? Real questions and real answers take time. And that comes through in Scripture again and again. Real questions and genuine answers generally demand laying aside distractions. A child comes to mom and dad and says, Mom and dad, why do we faithfully go to church? Good question. Take some time and respond in detail. Mom and dad, why don't we watch a lot of TV? Good question. Take time to answer. Mom and dad, why don't you want us in technology too much? Take time to answer. Someone comes to God and says, God, I love you and I seek to obey you. Why do my struggles and my trials seem to increase? God, why is there so much suffering in the world? Good questions cannot always be answered with yes or no. Real questions require answers, but requires laying aside distractions. So my encouragement in light of Habakkuk chapter 3 is to beware of the instant. Beware of the instant. As you read and reread Habakkuk chapter 3, the prayer of Habakkuk is seen with some structure. God is revealing himself to Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is writing. And in verse 1, we find the statement of content. It is a prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. In verse 2, his request, his prayer, as far as asking, is, restate, is stated. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known, in wrath remember mercy. That's the extent of the asking in the entire prayer. But he does go on, in verses 3 through 15, to talk about how God was revealed in history. 
And through, 3 through 7 seems to time with Mount Sinai, the place of divinely wrought upheaval. In verses 8 through 15, the imagery of water and storm and warfare. And then Habakkuk responds to his prayer, responds to history by saying, my, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered and so on. And even though things get bad and then worse, I will trust in you. As you read Habakkuk 3, there's so much language that seems parallel to the Psalms. The use of Selah, verses 3, 9, and 13. It occurs only in the Psalms. For the director of music at the end of Habakkuk's prayer, on my stringed instruments, is found seldom other than in the Psalms. Habakkuk's recollection of Israel's past history in verses 2, 3 through 7, 8 through 15, is typical of the Psalms, instructing and supplications that are in the Psalms, recalling how God worked in history. Habakkuk does what the Psalms do. The prayer in Psalm 77 and Habakkuk demonstrate the same persuasive orientation to the past and specifically to the exodus from Egypt. The Psalms talk a lot about the past and how it affects the present. Habakkuk is talking about the past and how it will influence the present. Habakkuk draws on the language and imagery of Psalm 18 in verses 7 through 15, which evokes the Exodus in similar language. Then Psalm 68 expresses a broad retrospect on Israel's prehistory and history and shows required points of contact with Habakkuk 3. Now, why did I bring all that up about the Psalms and the parallel between Habakkuk 3 and the Psalms? That history, recalling history, is part of walking by faith. Habakkuk says in chapter 2, the righteous will live by faith. And in chapter 3, he's demonstrating living by faith by recalling history. And in light of history, he says, God, I will trust you. It's bad. It's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. But I trust in you because I've recalled history. That is what the Lord has done. He rehearses history. History. Deeply helps us to keep on target for the Lord. It gives perspective. We may go through something and we'll say, this is new. Check history. It's not new. God is working. Now, as we think about Habakkuk 3, there seems to be a change. Because Habakkuk recalls history as he lives by faith. But his attitude seems somewhat different in chapter 3 
than it does in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Because in chapter 1, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to your violence, but you do not save. But in chapter 3, he says, I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In chapter 1, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? And this should be in chapter 1. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Then why do you tolerate the treacherous? In chapter 1, he had questions. In chapter 3, it's almost like he sat back and said, God, I meditated. I see you. You're sovereign. You're in control. I'm recalling history. I have no demands. I have no expectations. I will take you at your word. By faith. In relation to that James Montgomery voice and his commentary on Habakkuk says, and I quote, but something happened in the interval between the prayers of the first chapter and the prayer of the third. And it changed Habakkuk. Quite simply, Habakkuk had taken his mind off himself the Israelites and the Babylonians, and focused on God. So long as he was operating merely on the human level, the difference between the relative goodness of Israel and the relative badness of the Babylonians seemed great. He could ask, why are you silent? Well, the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. But once he had looked to God, once he saw the righteousness of God, and reminded himself of the eternal and the sovereign God he worshipped, those differences faded into insignificance. And the relative goodness of Israel seemed unimportant. Habakkuk saw that all, including himself, fall short of God's standards and require God's mercy to be saved. End of quote. Lloyd-Jones, in his commentary on Habakkuk, says almost the same thing. That Habakkuk's focus shifted from where Israel was spiritually and morally and so on, to the Babylonians and the extent of their evil, to God, and how he worked in history and how he wanted to respond in the present. We humans have a tendency to look short-term rather than allowing a long-term focus to determine how we live in the present. We live in the present, illustrated by my little stick guy. And we think about my circumstances, we think about me. And we're so quick to forget the Lord's plan and eternity.
Habakkuk was looking at the present, but then he looked at history past and history future, and he responded differently. We have a tendency. I don't have time. I'm busy. And we fail to look past. We fail to look future to stop and think about the eternal bliss or hell of family and friends where I will take time to pray. I will take time to befriend. We have a tendency to say, I need a car, I need a TV, I need a vacation. We look at the present rather than looking at eternity past and eternity future and how our use of money in the present can influence eternity. We have a tendency to say, my kids have a game. There's band, there's leisure, there's all kinds of activity. Rather than looking at the past, how God worked and looking at the future and how he wants to work. And reflecting on the fact that I want my kids to love God as adults. I need to show them biblical values. There's a parallel between one's focus on the eternal and one's depth of character. As you read Habakkuk, as you read the Old Testament, as one looks at eternity, both past and future, it results in a greater depth of character. Habakkuk changed. Look at the psalmist. He changed. As we look at eternity past, we look at eternity future that drives our character deeper and deeper into the Lord. But if we focus primarily on the present, our character tends to stay quite shallow. Habakkuk's prayer changed. He recalls much history. That is how the Lord worked in the life of the nation of Israel. History was vital, but we tend to forget history. That seems to be part of where we live. All that takes place in our lives comes into our lives under the sovereignty of the Lord. The Lord had already told Habakkuk, you think Israel is bad now? Babylon's coming to judge. It's going to get worse. And that's why he says in his prayer, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive tree... Crop fails and the fields produce no food. There are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Habakkuk recognized that as the Babylonians come to destroy, to judge the nation of Judah, and that judgment means there's not going to be a lot, they're going to go into captivity. Habakkuk says, that's come through your loving hands.
It's in your sovereign will. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. Habakkuk is facing tremendous struggle. And he's going to have greater struggle because of judgment that is coming. Israel and Judah is going to go through even greater struggle. But Habakkuk says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. His roots were going deeper and deeper into the Lord. And not his circumstances. The nature of his prayer changes. This is a formal prayer. Which springs from questions. Listening. And being confronted with the greatness of the Lord. Would we pray more if we asked deep questions and waited upon the Lord? Just a thought question. Oh, how we need to reflect on the Lord's majestic character. It changes us. You go through a job struggle. Is God to be trusted? God, can you change this? Look at how God dealt with people in history. And let him work in your life. You go through a physical trial and you're demanding wellness. God, fix me. Reflect on the character of God and how he worked in history. And realize that even if you get worse physically... You can say with Habakkuk, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. When everything seems to go wrong and everything seems to go backwards and you have prayed. Reflect on God. How he has worked in history and how he will work in the future. Do our lives reflect that we believe deeply in the sovereignty of the Lord? As we accept the sovereignty of God in our lives, he transforms our character. Look at people who are beautiful. Their life is in turmoil many times. Things are not in order. They've had ups and downs and they have prayed and they have cried out to God. But they have ceased fighting. And they said, God, I'll let you be God. I'll live by faith. How about a Moses? How about a Joseph? Who was sold into slavery and spent years in Egypt. How about a Ruth? How about a Priscilla? How about a Lorraine? How about a Ray and Sharon? How about a Burrow and Shirley? I can mention others of just faith. Why do some people grow while others stagnate?
It may tie in with the pace of life and the focus on the eternal and God's work in history or lack thereof. What action can you take? I'm sorry. What happens when people live in light of the present only? Unwise decisions. A shallowness of character. Is history important? Yes. Tremendously important. Without history, we don't live very deeply and in very much dependency upon the Lord. Habakkuk 3 is not just something that God put in his word to say, oh, I got another chapter in Habakkuk. It's to drive us to God and a dependency upon him to reflect deeply on history. And as we sing a song, the church is one foundation in just a moment. We're reflecting on history. We're reflecting on Christ and what he has done his coming to this earth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his being at the right hand of the Father. We're reflecting on history of the early church. And that's why the church stands today in spite of all our ills and struggles and ups and downs because of Christ. Let's sing together. Travis.